So AC, I'd like to give our audience an opportunity to get to know you, so I want you to tell me which of the following two characteristics best describes you. Okay, here we go. Okay. Just a little list here. All right. Introvert <clears throat> or extrovert? Extrovert. Extrovert. Dress up or dress down? Down. Down. Oh, <laughs> love it. Good. Practical or idealistic? Um, practical. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. Early bird. You got up early yesterday to play some ball here at Christ Community. Yeah, I, I heard people out in this area get up really early, and I found <laughs> out that's true. It was yes, like yeah. 6, 6 a.m. yesterday. I, I saw a couple of my buddies, young guys, who were playing with you, and they posted a shot of them standing by you <laughs> on Facebook and said they really schooled you, man. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, uh, that was, that was what they said. You let so, them know okay. I want a rematch. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Book or movie? Uh, good movie. Good movie. Call or text? Gosh, please call me. Okay. <laughs> Spicy or mild? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to mild. Okay, mild. Speed or power? Give me some speed. Shoot or rebound? Oh, Shoot the ball. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Last one. It is real important that you get this okay. one right, okay? 80s Lakers or 90s Bulls? <laughs> wow. Just, just remember what city you're in, okay? <laughs> 90s Bulls. Yeah, I thought you'd get it right. <laughs> now, you know in his heart, you know in his heart he's thinking Lakers, right? Because... <laughs> He won three championships with him. A little bias there, but I want to go back to the Minor. beginning of your personal story. Uh, you are the baby of four children. So growing up, were you spoiled? Was it a loving home, strict home, dysfunctional home? What, what was your family like? Well, being the baby, I got all the hand-me-downs. <laughs> I got picked on. All the chores of my older siblings, which two older brothers and older sister, I had to do. So I would say it's completely dysfunctional. <laughs> <laughs> were, were your parents strict? My parents were, um, they were pretty strict, yeah. Okay. They, they were quite don't, strict. Don't spare the rod, spoil the child, folks. Oh, definitely. Okay. Uh, it wasn't until high school that you became interested in basketball, so I want to ask why basketball? Oh, gosh. Basketball, it was one of those... Um, I disqualified everything else. And, and why? I mean, I love, love baseball. Yes. Okay. Uh, baseball, growing up, that was the first sport team I ever tried. And the next thing you know, I was like 12 years old, still playing, playing very well, having fun. But my coach told me I had to, I'm too old for the league. This is my last year playing, you know, in Little League. And I'm like, but I love the sport. What do you mean? He says, well, you can keep playing. You just got to go to the older division, 13 to 16-year-olds. And I just kept getting hit by the ball every single time at bat, it seemed like. And I'm like, <laughs> so I retired at the age of 12 from baseball. <laughs> so no more baseball, still love it today. Football, similar type uh, situation. I, I love it. I just outgrew it, so to speak. And basketball really was the only thing my, my boys yeah. and I were really playing. Yeah. Now, is it true you, you started high school at 5 foot 10 inches tall, <laughs> which, is, which is my height right now? And by the time you left high school, you were how tall? Six, seven. That's a growth spurt. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. There's That's hope. 
Okay. That's, I, I, think, I think I'm beyond the spurt stage of life. Yeah. I think my spurt happened a long time ago. This is as, as tall as... I'll tell you what, though. Your, your high school team, I, I recognized we had something in common. Your high school team won the championship. Mm-hmm. I live in the town of Batavia. Okay. And we won a state basketball championship high school. Really? In 1912. <laughs> okay, that's it. Best I can do. Okay. <laughs> well, that's good. We're hanging on. That's it's, right. That's yeah, right. The yes. banner's still up. More, more reason in the Cubs anyway. So, uh, uh, you, went to, you went to Oregon State for college. You won a couple of uh, Pac-10 conference titles, named Pac-10 Player of the Year as a junior. Uh, so did college life, did it revolve around, was it all basketball? Um, and and what, was, what was study life, life like for you as a uh, college student? Well, I mean, the, the first, that freshman year, I was just always lost on campus in the first place. I mean, I, I'm, Portland's really small, small city, and just trying to understand leaving Portland, going away for the first time, being on college campus, it was crazy. It seems like it was such a big school. You didn't have your parents waking you up. Um, basketball was, to me, was extremely hard. And so it was really, really odd. I just found it odd. And then there was a place called the library, which I never knew where it was on campus. But they said it was there somewhere. <laughs> it took me to my senior year, and I figured it out. <laughs> but and, I loved it. Okay. But you did okay with your studies? I did. I did. I, I, I finally realized, you know what, to really stay in school, I have to sort of study. Yes. And the combination, you know, I finally got to my sophomore year, I, I realized, you know what, what do I want to do? What's my future? What do I really want to be? And I, it took me a couple of years really to declare a major, but speech communication was my major, and I my, my degrees in communication. Good, good. And j- just for us Illinois folk, sure. Uh, you got to teach us the pronunciation. I got a daughter who, who lives <laughs> in Portland, so I know you don't say it Oregon like no. we say in Illinois. How do you say the state's name? Oregon, Oregon. So it's it's almost like two syllables, Oregon, like yes. the thing. In your, you know, okay, your come heart, on, let's, your let's, liver. Ready? Let's do it all together. Yes, ready? Yes. One, two, three. Oregon. Okay. You all can come. <laughs> all right. Thank you. A cookout at AC's house. <laughs> yeah. Now, in 1984, you're still a college student. Yes. There was a great tragedy in the NBA. Yeah, <laughs> what do the, you mean? The, the Lakers beat the Celtics for the championship. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, cool. Okay. The reason, the reason I call it a tragedy, that Why? was the year the Christ Community Church started. And Sue and I moved to start the church. We moved from Boston, man. And I was a huge Celtics, a huge Larry Bird fan. And so, um, uh, I'm, I'm sorry to say, there's no Laker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I understand. You, I feel you, weird. I, okay. You look forward to playing for the Lakers. Tell us what it was like. You were chosen by them in the first round of the draft. You're sitting as a college graduate watching the draft. You got picked in the first round. Right. Uh, what was it like waiting for the announcement to be made. Did you have a sense that you were going to be picked, not be picked? What, you know, and then the, then the Lakers, what, what was that like? Jim, it was crazy because you had, I, th- I had 24 teams at that time uh, in the NBA, and probably five of them said they were going to select me if I was around. If I'm still available, we're going to get you. Okay. okay, so there's five teams in that first round making that declaration to me. So I'm listening to the teams. I won't say any of their names. <clears throat> There was one green team, but I won't say any names. <laughs> Larry Bird, Robert Parrish, Kevin, Kevin McHale, yeah. And the funny thing was, as the draft went on, um, Commissioner Stern 
is, you know, make the announcements. And the next thing you know, one team goes by, another team goes by. And so my family, are, they're with me, my closest friends, my college, high school coaches. So it's just a room full of my closest people. And so the, one of the last two teams, they, it's come to their selection. The Lakers is the 23rd pick. My hometown team, Portland Trailblazers, is the 24th pick. So my mom is just like, oh, oh, oh. bring him home. Yes, he's coming home. He's coming home. And I'm, and I'm sitting there. Oh, my dad is like, Lakers, Lakers, Lakers. And so the next thing, you know, Larry, um, Jerry West declares, you know, Lakers are going to select me. So I get the phone call and half the room goes crazy. Euphoria. Yeah, the yeah. other half goes like, Blazers. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, well, I, I enjoyed it. I, I was like two thumbs up. Yeah. Well, joining a team like that, yeah. whose phenomenal center at the time was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, as I understand it, when, when a rookie comes on board, veterans don't even talk to these guys. <laughs> but I read someplace that Kareem actually said something very endearing to you. The first time you guys crossed paths in the locker room, good oh, old Kareem gosh. looked at you and he said, Go get me some water, boy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. You guys were like that. Yeah, yeah. Best buds. BFFs. <laughs> just started out great. I mean, oh, just could never forget the moment, you know? Yeah. yeah trust me. Yeah. That was really it. But at it, least he talked to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because we had like, at that time, we had six rookies that were trying out. Okay. Yes. Not all selected, but some were um, open market free agents that came over. And so six different people were trying to make the Lakers that year. And really, he didn't talk to any of the other ones. So I, I felt honored. And I, you got to go get his water. Yeah. I, I did. <laughs> okay. I, another, I did. another sort of hazing sort of deal that the, uh, the Lakers did, they would ask the rookies to <laughs> sing a song. So, you know, you're gathered together for your first team meeting, and each rookie has to come up, sing a fight song, sing whatever. And, uh, I mean, it, describe that experience. That's hilarious. I don't, I, man, where are you getting all your stories from, man? I gotta, <laughs> you got all the good ones. So I, yeah, we're in, we're in this first meeting once again, and, and all the, you know, the Laker brass, as I call them, upper management people are there. And so basically, yeah, all the rookies had to go and sing their school fight song or sing a top 10 song. So, you know, Allison, and I'm like trying to figure out what song am I actually going to sing, you know, at this time. Because I don't know my, my school fight song. I have no idea. I remember the, the hook, but that was it. And the top 10 songs, I'm like, okay, but no. I, I you know. So I'm like, I'm going to, okay, I'm, all right, I got it. Five guys go before me. I'm the sixth guy, so I'm just processing all this. And I'm like, how can I get out of this? How can I get out of this? And so finally, my turn comes, and Magic Johnson, who's the MC of this moment, he says, all right, our first round selection, the rookie out of Portland, Oregon, AC, what you got for us? And now, moment of truth, um, I don't know any, uh, my fight song, I don't know Magic. Oh, no, that's not good enough. And the other, you know, guys are... Michael Cooper and the guys are hollering back at me. No, you got to sing something. You have to sing something. I said, well, I don't know any top ten songs. <laughs> Come on, you got to sing something. So I said, I'll sing a, I said, only thing I know is gospel songs. And I, I, I'm sure, you know, you don't want, and then some voice out of the corner of the room, James Worthy, whose father is a minister, <laughs> says, 
sang Swing Low Sweet Chariot. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, that was the end. Well, I got to tell you, we're going to bring the band out right now. No. And give you an opportunity no. to kind of reprise that moment. And no. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> okay. Speaking of singing spirituals, speaking of spiritual life, okay. I, I want to go back now and, and track your spiritual journey. You grew up in a religious church-going home, uh, but you say you didn't really have a relationship with Jesus. It was, you know, it was a basic religious ritual. But after your senior year of high school, while you're waiting to go to college, you and some buds decide to go visit an old professor, old uh, high school teacher and coach, and you go on this road trip, and he invites you and your buddies <laughs> to go to church with him. So you're sitting in church, and you hear a message. Tell us the title <laughs> of the sermon you heard and how it impacted your life. The title of the sermon, that message was called, Do You Want to Go to Heaven or Do You Want to Go to Hell? <laughs> and I was like, okay, I know the answer to that one. And I'm like, I'm, this is cool. You know, I'm listening to the, I'm listening, first time ever meeting the minister, okay, being in this church, and 150 people, never seen anyone before. So I'm listening but what I heard that day was really about having a relationship with Jesus. Yes. And I, I heard of Jesus. I heard of Mary. You know, I heard of the life that God has planned for all of us. But I never heard that he had a plan for AC. And he wanted to know AC personally. He wanted AC to know him personally. Yeah. But this day I heard it loud and clear. Yeah. And so I'm, I am listening at the end of the sermon, and I'm there with, as you mentioned, 10 of my closest friends at that time. And, I'm, and the pastor gives the invitation, and I'm like, why doesn't somebody go? I mean, they're not listening to this? What are they, what are they doing? So he was inviting you to make a decision yeah. for Christ and wanted you to what, what, come up? Yeah, he okay. wanted to come, you know, if, you, if anyone wants to accept a relationship, have this relationship that I'm talking about with Jesus Christ, Please come forward. I'd like to pray with you. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, I want it. That's me. And I'm wondering, but what about these other guys? Because I'm looking down the row, and next to me was my closest friend, Ricky, at the time. And I'm looking at Ricky. I'm like, Ricky, you know what we do. You know you need to be down there. <laughs> and then I'm looking at Leroy. Leroy, come on, man. You, come on, don't even try it. And so I'm going to this analysis because I was such a man pleaser at that time yes. that I just wanted to please and hang out with my friends. Yes. Yeah. And after all that, three, three invitations, and I finally said yes, yes. on the third one wow. and walked down there. And, and, and how looked. many of your friends ended up joining you? Zero. Zero. Yeah. Zero. And it was the hardest decision at that time for me, 17 years old, to yes. walk to make a decision in front of my friends with my peers and, and walk away from them and do something that they weren't going to do. Yes. Yeah. And I had to say, I said yes, and basically they said no at that particular time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was really, really tough. So that began your relationship with Christ. You're surrendered to him. Yeah. Uh, as I understand it, when you went to Oregon State then, that's when your, uh, your spiritual journey really began to take off. It wasn't just basketball. <laughs> Spiritually, some things happened. What was it that contributed to your spiritual life at that point? What really happened was God allowed, he introduced me to a really great church. He allowed me to uh, be a part of a great church that was really focused on discipleship, really focused on mentoring, really focused on 
really a scene and allowing uh, spiritual coaches to really come in into your life. And me seeing and understanding that I, I needed more than just, once again, going to a church service or being a part of a church. I needed that inside of me, that relationship inside of me. And my pastor, David Elliott, at that time was like, AC, you're going to be on the road a lot. In this pack, this, this tournament stuff, you know, you have games two times a week. You know, you're away. You're not always going to be at service. But that doesn't mean you don't need to know who Jesus is on a daily basis. Yes. Yeah. And you need to learn how to read and pray and believe God on your own. When I'm not there with you, yeah. you got to stand up. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's how it really got started in learning how to bond with brothers and believe and fight and, you know, go through adversity. But learn how to have a spiritual family is where it really yeah. got started for me yeah. that freshman yeah. year. Yeah, I just, I, I'm, I'm glad you said all that you just said. Because one of the things I, I struggle to get across uh, to folks at Christ community is that this following Jesus isn't about a one-time decision. Right. It, it's an ongoing life, and you need those resources you've just Absolutely. described. You need, you need church. You need God's Word, the Bible. You need prayer. You need spiritual disciplines to help you grow. Right. So you go from college where it was this hothouse environment, spiritually speaking. You're right. really growing. Right. And then you join the Lakers. <laughs> what, what is it like to be a Christ follower on an NBA team? Uh, it was like being on, I think John being on the island of Patmos, <laughs> you know, for those that just, is you're just on a desert island and you're a believer and there's really no one else on that island with you. It felt, it felt like at some times and really what the amazing thing, honestly, about that, Jim, is this, that as God would never, he would never place us somewhere that he doesn't prepare us for. And, and those years in college really prepared me, developed me, helped me understand that I, I do have a spiritual family. I do have resources now. I do have mentors now. I do have spiritual coaches now that I can rely on. And when I got to that team, there wasn't another Christian on the team. And I was used to being around Christians in college. Yeah. And so it was what I had to rely upon is that spiritual source and that spiritual yes. family that yes. I had. I didn't, when I left college, I didn't leave the relationships. I stayed yes. on the phone. I stayed connected yes. with the guys. Yeah. And they were able to, those relationships kept me strong and yeah. kept me focused and kept me committed. Yeah. And the, the unique thing about the, what happened with the Lakers, and especially those early years, many of the guys are so religious, like I was. That we all went to church, especially, you know, black families go to church. Yeah. Okay, it's just the way it is, but in Southern roots especially. And, and so it's not a foreign concept to hear Jesus say, God bless you, see guys after a game say, I give thanks to God for this great game, yeah. something like that. But when it came down to having a real relationship. Something different. Something different. Yeah. And they had to see, and, and God really shared with me that first year especially, he said, these guys need to see me. They don't need to, they hear about me all the time, but they need to see a life-changing, life-empowered, a life that's empowered by God and, and, and engineered by him. Yeah, yeah. And so live it before them. Don't tell them. Show them. Yes. Yeah. And that's sort of what happened that first couple wow. of years. Wow. Let, let, let's talk about these sure. guys. Let's talk about, about them. Uh, how would you describe the following Laker players? Just in a <laughs> sentence. Or all so. right. Okay? Because we, we watched them on TV, uh, but we want to hear from an insider uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, one sentence. Consistent. Okay. A consistent player, person? Both, actually. Con yes. Yeah, yeah. Very, very consistent. Just steady. Okay. 
Magic Johnson. Humorous. <laughs> always smiling. Okay, okay. And by the way, you always, you always call him Irvin by his first name. Did, yeah. It, was, that, was that the way it was? On the, I mean, fans know him as Magic. Buds know him as Irvin. Is that? Yeah, okay? basically. Okay, James Worthy. Good buddy. Okay. Michael Cooper. Ferocious. Ferocious. A couple of non-Lakers from that era. First one, be careful. Okay, this is, this is my Who do you got? This is my guy, Larry Bird. Competitor. Yeah. Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> wow. You know, I just, what I, I, what I loved about him, is, can we just talk about Larry for a second here? You would see him. He was in so much back pain. And, you know, when he was taken out, he would be lying on the floor in front of the bench in writhing pain, and then he'd go back in and he'd, he'd play some more. Yeah, I know. We, and, trust me, we tried to fall on him a couple times when he was on that floor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, in this one, you could say as much as you want about this one. Michael Jordan. Champion. Yes, yeah. And, you know, we hold in our hearts a special play. And you happened to be on the floor at the time, AC, oh, when Michael did the most amazing oh, thing of boy. his career. We've got it here, just because no, we, we you wanted you to see this. Yeah. Go ahead, show this. Okay. Oh, no. It's coming down the court. Oh, gosh. Okay, watch this. I've seen it. Uh, yeah, up close you did. <laughs> Whoa! Slow-mo. You had to slow it down, left too? Left hand, right hand. Yes, and there's a guy, 45, number 45, the Lakers, just stunned. <laughs> yes, yeah. What were you thinking? I was trying to figure out when in the world is this guy going to come back down to earth. <laughs> I mean, he was up there for like five minutes, honestly. He really was. He was up there five minutes, looked around, checked the elevation, and then he decided, okay, I'm going to, like, like you said, honestly, I'm going to shoot it and shoot it with my right hand. And then for some reason, the altitude, the wind shifted, and he's like, okay, no, let's go to the left. And he shoots it with his left, and then, he's, then he decides to, like, descend with his tongue out. I'm like, forget this. Okay, a couple of, couple of coaches. In a sentence or so, Pat Riley. Tenacious. Yeah. He is a class act, isn't he? Extreme. Yes, yeah. I read a book of his on leadership. I found out that he is the only American sportsman of any sport, get this, who won a championship as a player, a coach, and an exec. It's not, not been done by anybody else in any other sport. Okay, and in a somebody I, I like but not everybody knows about, Randy Fund. Randy Fund. Ah, one of our wonderful assistants with the Lakers and just a good friend still. Um, love the guy, but he's awesome. I just, yes. that's all I can say about him. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And he comes from my alma mater, Wheaton College. How yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Little, little known school. All right. After your stint with the Lakers, you then played three more uh, for three other teams, and it was a new era, so I want to I call out a few players from that era. Charles Barkley. Noisy. <laughs> <laughs> but I love playing with him. I really did. Mr. I am not a role model. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, Shaq. 
glad to have him as a teammate. Because <laughs> otherwise... Totally intimidating. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Wide as this room, yeah. strong as yeah. you name it. Yep. Yeah. <sighs> Kobe Bryant. Good, good teammate. Good teammate and love, love what he's doing. Okay. Now, I want to I play off of this for a minute. Kobe is out with a knee injury right now, and I want to contrast that with a guy who was never out, never missed. You missed three games your entire NBA career. Just amazing. <laughs> Played 1,192 consecutive games. Uh, it's the NBA record for which you earned the title Iron Man. Um, but there was, there was a time or two along the way when your, your record almost got interrupted. I mean, t tell us about one of those times you had to play through. Yeah, actually, I was with the Phoenix Suns in this one particular game. And uniquely, <laughs> I, got, I got elbowed um, just in the midst of a play. And I lost a tooth. And what happened was I thought, you know, I just got popped in the mouth. You know, so I had my mouth guard in. And, you know, you wear a mouth guard, you wear it on your upper, your upper sex um, tooth, your teeth. And the next thing you know, my lower tooth had this little teeing sensation. So the ball, was, the ball goes out of bounds, and I'm like doing the old little, you know, tongue rollover in your mouth. And so I just roll over to this teeing sensation, and I notice there's a gap. <laughs> there's a hole. Yeah, there. something's missing. <laughs> And, and so as I'm doing that, I'm lining up to take the ball out of bounds for out of bounds play, and I'm, I'm rolling over him with my tongue, and I just happen to glance down, five feet from me is my tooth on the floor. <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> so, you know, and now, what is the most important thing at that time? Inbounding the ball. Yeah. Inbound the ball. Okay, let's, the game's got to go on, all right? And so I just take a little lean. I go down, pick up my tooth. So I'm only worried about the three officials. That's all I'm worried about. I pick up my tooth, and I just wipe my forehead off and just roll it up looking out of bounds, put it in my compression shorts that I had under my shorts. And so I just roll it up inside, and next thing you know, I'm like, okay, I'm lined up for the ball. I'm like, okay. And then the official, he just happens to, like, look, and he's like, AC, you're bleeding. And, of course, the rule is you got to go out the game if you're bleeding. And so I wanted to keep playing. He said there's blood, and so next thing you know, forget it. I go out the game. The team, we, we win the game that night, that day, and the team flies off to go to Salt Lake City to play Utah Jazz for the next back-to-back -back game, and I have to go the next day to fly and catch the team. Yeah, yeah interesting. He doesn't, he doesn't make a big deal of this, but he was smashed. I mean, he, got, he really <laughs> caught that out and played the next several games with a, a mascot just <laughs> and continued ticking. So this, yeah, this record is, is a pretty amazing record of yours. In spite of the record that you set, in spite of the nickname Iron Man, I was reading a uh, Sports Illustrated article just a couple of years ago. Uh, they have a, occasionally will do a retro, where is this player now sort of deal. And so this one was on you. And they, uh, they said, AC Green, uh, as much as he's known for the fact that he won three NBA championships, that he was the Iron Man, played a 
1,192 consecutive games. There's, there's something else for which he was known probably even better by, you know, by the public. Well, what was that thing? It had nothing to do with basketball. <laughs> because I was a virgin uh, in the NBA uh, was the thing. And Rick Riley, a sports uh, writer at the time with Sports Illustrated, had wrote a story, and he called it The, the Guy Who Never Scored was the title of the article. <laughs> and that, that was the title of the article, The Guy Who Never Scored. And, uh, and it was a great article. I, I enjoyed it. It was fun talking to him and everything about it. But in general, yeah, it was just the fact that I was a virgin. Uh, I believed in purity, walked it, and wasn't ashamed to tell it and, and share my story and try and encourage other people to do the same. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just, just so people know, you're, you're not a monk. Of some right. sort. I mean, right. you're, you're happily married to a beautiful woman, but at that point in your life as, as a single guy, what is, what's the big deal about abstinence? Why is it an important thing for you? Uh, the, important, the importance of it, and once it's just reframing from doing something. Just by true definition, the word abstinence itself is reframing from doing something. And so sexual abstinence, it was important only because I was a professing and I was very much known to be a Christian. And that was something as we talked about understanding my story now at that time, um, you know, God wants us to walk in that purity. You know, he wants us to be holy as he is holy. And it wasn't something I felt that I could separate if I really wanted Jesus and I really wanted him to be that quote unquote head coach in my life and his rules were going to be the rules I was going to be operating by, not NBA rules, not Lakers team rules, but God's rules. Well, he wanted me to be holy. He wanted me to walk in purity because I, I'm a child of his. Yeah. yeah. Let, let me draw something else out, out of that as well because I've heard you say this before. So p part of the reason for the abstinence is because that's what what's God's word says. And so you're trying to follow, follow Jesus. And whenever God says don't, he's got, <laughs> he's got a good reason. Okay, right. He's trying to protect us. And we know from the standpoint of, of marriage, the sexual relationship is reserved for that, for that commitment. Uh, one man, one woman for life. Right. Okay, so you had a biblical reason. But I've also heard you say it had something to do with respect. So tease that out for us. What does respect have to do with walking a life of sexual purity? Well, respect has a lot to do with it because really reputation is important, okay, from one standpoint. And the standpoint I'm referring to is this. I wasn't walking in that respect because I had a lousy reputation in high school. And it was one where I was just doing and saying whatever, everything, I was sleeping with every, every girl that me and my guys can imagine. That's your story. That, that was my story, story you told. Okay, that was the story and that was the reputation that I, I wanted to have, you know? And so it wasn't about respect at all, it was just about like being cool, being in. And so as time went on, knowing that I was a virgin in high school, as time went on, and then the things that happened that we talked about, you know, from really becoming a Christian, um, the most important thing that really happened was I really wanted to follow the standards of who and what Jesus has said, not, not only that, but who he was. Yes. And I wanted to live that same way and live it yes. unashamedly. Yes. Okay? Yeah. And so the guy, even guys on my team, and especially the Laker team, uh, I remember they took a bet that first year. They took a bet... First year, first road trip we had that I wasn't going to last being a Christian and especially trying to be a virgin in the NBA. You know, and it wasn't like I said, hey, I'm a virgin, guys. I'm on your team. <laughs> it was just the fact that they, you know, guys read stories. Yeah. 
okay, teammates, they read stories. They know about who's coming on the team, and, all, you know, they try and find out things about you so they know how to work with you. And the, the thing was, they're like, we had, we had, you know what, we had Christian guys on this team before, guys who profess to be Christians. And, but we hadn't had anyone say they, you know, they practice in abstinence. But that's not going to happen here in the NBA. Matter of fact, we're going to, they took a bet, passed the hat around. One of the guys took his little cap off. They passed the hat around, and they gave me six weeks, and I wouldn't last. And so the next thing, you know, the whole year goes by, and they're like, okay, you made it. I'm like, guys, I don't, you know, I told them at the end of the season, I'm like, I don't want your money. I wasn't doing it for the whole contest. Like, how much was it anyway? You know? <laughs> I said, but no. I said, what I really wanted, bottom line was, I really, what, I didn't want to win your money. I wanted to win your respect. Yeah. And that's exactly what had happened. Wow. Well, what's interesting is, just for the sake of con- contrast, so you, you actually even start an organization that promotes abstinence at this time and, and whatnot. But uh, on your team, there's kind of an example, a tragedy of sorts, of, of sexual promiscuity and where it leads it, the other direction. Because in 1990, the sports world, NBA world, was startled by the announcement of the sudden retirement of a dear friend and, and a teammate of yours, Magic Johnson. And he, was, he contracted the HIV virus that leads to AIDS. What was it like when he announced that? To the team. I mean, take us to the locker room, and Magic is letting you guys know he's leaving basketball, and here's the reason why. What, what was the mood in the, in the locker room? You know, Jim, it was, as you can imagine, with anyone coming home with some tragic news, some um, adversity that they know and they have to share now with the family, because we were a family, and they didn't have a solution. And the thing is, we at the time did not have a solution to offer him in return. Yeah. But what we could offer and what we did offer and what I, what I wanted to let him know, um, that I wanted to give him a hug. I wanted to be there for him. Yeah. If it's holding your hand, if it's just sitting beside you, praying with you, which we did immediately at, you know, at that same time and, and that moment. Um, but just willing to be there with him. Uh, nothing but tears in the locker room. Yeah. From I mean, we had our owner, our GM, our, obviously our coach, all of our doctors, everybody that was in the room at that particular time, um, and everybody was crying yeah. because we feel that we are totally, as athletes, invincible. We can't be stopped. We're indestructible. You wonder and you see a lot of the behavior and the articles that you read and hear about still to this day, that's how the mentality yeah. is. Yeah. And so for something like this, this incurable disease, yeah. now we're talking the 90s, okay, there was no answers. Yeah. And so it was nothing but wow. tears. Wow, wow. So you start this uh, organization, and it's not just about abstinence. I mean, you care about the, the youth of America, where they're headed. Tell us some more about the foundation. What is it you're trying, what, what sorts of values are, are you trying to instill in young people? The most, you know, respect. It, it really comes down to a lot of respect, what we're trying to carry out as the foundation itself. Uh, it's about character, character development. Uh, financial literacy is really important. Okay, why? Because money is important. You have to learn how to handle, receive it, at the same time do with it, be good stewards of it. Uh, nutrition, childhood obesity is a big issue uh, that we have in our society and we have as a nation in general. 
And so learning and helping kids learn about nutrition and, and encouraging our families to get deeper into understanding what to feed and as far as what to put in, what's going to come out of the body itself, it's really important. Uh, you know, so that's the abstinence aspect itself also, understanding that you have one body. Yeah. Okay, like it or not, and I don't know what you might think or believe, but you got one body, yeah. you know, and you got to take care of it once yeah. again. Yeah. And it's in this, so the sexual purity is just as important also. We, we just want to thank you for making an investment in the next generation. Being a role well, thank model. You. Thanks, thank man. you. Thanks, yeah. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Thank you. 1988, the, uh, the Lakers repeat when their second NBA championship in a row uh, against, uh, against the Pistons, as I, as I recall. And you're coming into the locker room, a reporter shoves a microphone in your face and says, AC, greatest moment in your life or what? And what'd you say? I said, no, giving my heart to Jesus was the greatest moment in my life. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah tell, sure. tell us, you know, just because in, in a crowd this size across four campuses, there, there's some skeptics in the room who say, I'm, you know, I'm glad this works for you, but you make it sound like some, some kind of an adventure. You're, <laughs> you're way, you know, you're way over the top on this. Is it? Is it really as good as you're making it out to be a relationship with Christ? You know, it's even better than I can imagine. I mean, it's great. It's great now, and it's in just knowing who Jesus really is, in the sense of um, the daily pursuit to know Him more, to waking up this morning and wanting to actually read the Bible to understand even more, yes. to have a, a time where it's just quiet me and my thoughts, and just really yes. try and hear from Him. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it, and it all began it. with a sermon. Do you want to go to heaven <laughs> yeah. or do you want to go to hell? Yeah. yeah so, so I've got that sermon right now. <laughs> <Ready>? <laughs> no, here's what, I, here's what I do want to say to us as we, we draw things uh, to, to a close. Because whenever we have a wow speaker talk about their faith journey, we, we take it as an opportunity to start faith journeys ourselves if we, if we haven't started into a relationship with Christ. ACs began with this sermon, do you want to go to heaven or do you want to go to hell? Uh, some people recoil at the notion of hell. They've taken polls in our country. Most Americans believe in heaven. Few Americans believe in hell. Interesting, because the person in the Bible who talks about hell more than anybody else is, guess who? Jesus Christ. Yeah, and he's constantly warning people, don't go to hell. What hell is, is separation from God for eternity. And, and here's why that happens. Okay, God is the source of life. He's the giver of life. But when we choose to go our own way instead of God's way, when we thumb our nose at God, when we insist uh, on being the king, the queen of our own lives, push God out, we unplug from the source of life. And when you unplug from life, you die. And that's why the Bible says in this life, because of our sin, because of the things we say and we do and we think that are an offense to a holy God. We've unplugged from the source of life. We're spiritually dead. And if that spiritual deadness doesn't get fixed in this life, then we go into eternity spiritually dead. It becomes eternal death, eternally separated from God. That's why people end up in hell, not because God sends them there, but because they choose to go there. They choose to unplug from the giver of life. See, and this is why Jesus came to earth. This is why Jesus died on the cross. Not to be a martyr for a religious cause. He came to take the penalty that our sin deserved. The penalty is death. Jesus said, I'll take your death. 
Okay, I'll take the penalty. You, you unplugged from the source of life. You deserve to die eternally. I'll take your death. And so all who put their hope and their trust in Jesus experience new life. And, and let me tell you the best part of all. You, your sins are not only forgiven. You not only get a, a, a ticket to an eternal place in heaven, part of God's family, but the eternal life starts today. As you're listening to AC, he's talking not about something that's coming in the sweet by and by. He's talking about a relationship with God that's already going on in his life. So the minute you surrender to Christ, that's when your spiritual life, your eternal life begins. And I want to give you an opportunity to jumpstart that spiritual life right now. So when AC made his decision, the pastor said, okay, if you want to do this, you come on up. I'll pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to come up. I'm going to ask you to stay seated where you are, but I am going to invite you to pray with me. So let's do this. Cross our four campuses. So whether you're in St. Charles or Bartlett, Blackberry Creek, DeKalb, would you just bow your head with me for a moment? And, and this is the most important decision you could make in life. There's nothing even close. And so if you've never made a decision like this before, I want you to consciously, deliberately consider it and I'm, I'm going to give you a prayer, okay? You, you pray this from your heart. It's not that my words are important. What's really important is your heart attitude. Because if you mouth these words but you don't mean them, it doesn't do a thing. But if this comes from your heart, it could change you forever. Lord Jesus, we want to say to you that we're sinners. You know, there isn't a day that goes by that we don't say things that we're embarrassed by angry words, hurtful words, critical words, gossip, profanity. God, we're sinners by what we do. We're, we're sinners in our attitudes. We're just, we're far from you. you. You have got standards in your word. We've walked away from them. In fact, in, in most of our cases, we don't even care what those standards are. And so we want to recognize right now before you that we're, we're sinners whose sin has unplugged us from the source of life. And we want to recognize too, Jesus, that when you died on the cross, you died for our sins. And each one of us wants to say, you died for my sins. You took the death I deserve to die. And those of us who've never told you in so many words before, who are truly repentant, sorry for our sins, want to change, want the life that only you can give, right now we say from our hearts, I put my trust in you. I want you to be the savior of my life. I want you to be the new leader. I don't want to continue to do my own thing. I want to do your thing. I don't want to be the king. I don't want to be the queen on the throne of my life. I want you to be king. God, right now, I, I just pray you'd work in the hearts of people across our four campuses who are hearing this prayer and resonating with it. And like AC, some are reluctant. They're wondering, ah, do I want to do this, say this or not? I just pray you, you'd give them the oomph. You'd give them, God, the uh, initiative to take this step. And while our heads are still bowed, I want to ask you across all, all four campuses, you know, whenever you make an internal decision like this, it's a good thing to do something tangible. Otherwise, 24 hours from now, you're going to be wondering, did I really pray that prayer? Did I mean it? Because you didn't say anything out loud. It was just in your heart. So if you just prayed that prayer for the first time and you just surrendered your life to Christ, 
Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stick a hand in the air for one second and then put it back down. Okay? I see hands going up. Okay? Cross four campuses. That was the prayer you prayed. You prayed it. You meant it. Put it up. Take it back down. In Bartlett, Blackberry Creek, DeKalb, just put a hand up. Take it back down. And God, I want to pray for those of us who've made that decision. Let it become, let that first step become a walk like it became in AC's life. Thank you for a role model. Thank you for the opportunity today to give, give us a picture of what it looks like to follow Jesus because that's what AC has provided for us in his life. And it, it's now, God, we can see it. We could say, yeah, that's what I want to become. And thank you, Jesus, for saving us, for coming and taking the death we deserve to die for being Savior and Lord, leader of our lives, we pray in your name. Amen. I want to tell you, uh, we got a gift for you if you made that kind of a decision, because around Christ Community Church, we don't just want to get people over the hump, the line of making a decision like that. You heard AC say, this isn't a one-time decision, this is an ongoing walk. So we've put together a packet that we call our Next Steps Packet, so you could take some additional steps in a relationship with Christ, and it's free. It's available at any one of our four campuses today. You just go to the Welcome Center of your campus, and you say, I want a Next Steps packet, and we'll set you up with one. And I'll tell you what's in it. You'll see it on the screen here. What you're going to find in that packet, you're going to find a New Testament, which is the second half of the Bible, deals with the story of Jesus and what it means to follow him. You're going to find a book by Rick Warren, What on Earth Am I Here For? It's an excerpt from the best-selling book of all time, outside of the Bible, best-selling book of all time is a hardcover book by Rick Warren called The Purpose Driven Life. This is an excerpt from that book. And then there's a little booklet in there as well called God's Good News. What we did at Christ Community is kind of summarize what the Bible teaches about how to jumpstart a relationship with God through putting your faith in Christ. And we just sum it up in some pictures and some Bible verses that'll make it a real easy summary so you understand the decision you just made. That's in a next steps packet. Now I'm going to tell you how to get it. Okay, we, we've discovered at WOW Weekends that when we say amen at the end of the service and hundreds of people are making their way to the exit, you, you kind of go with the tide. You just... You just flow right out, and you don't stop and get the Next Steps packet. We want you to have it. In fact, this is kind of like throwing your hat over the fence and saying, yeah, I really meant that prayer I prayed, so I'm going to prove it by picking up a Next Steps packet. So what we're going to do in just a moment, we're going to stand. Four campuses are going to be led in a closing song. The song's going to last about three or four minutes. At any point during the song, if you raised your hand or you wish you'd raised your hand or you'd like now to make that decision to get a Next Steps packet, we're going to give you an opportunity to sneak out before anybody else is released, okay? So while we're singing the song, just elbow past other people in your row, slip to an aisle, make your way to the Welcome Center, say, I want a Next Steps packet, we'll have it in your hand. By the time the service ends, you'll already have the packet and be ready to go. So uh, I want to encourage you, don't let this opportunity go, go by. Don't do the AC thing looking down the road to see who else is going to do this. Okay? Sorry, dude. Yeah? <laughs> Just do it. you got three or four minutes in which to do it. Make your way to a welcome center at any of the campuses and pick up the Next Step packet. Now, the band, before they lead us in this song, we got to say thank you to our guests. Let's give them a rousing thank you.